Hey, hey, this is Matt Banker, owner and founder of Benchmark Growth Marketing. We do marketing for accounting firms. Today, I have the pleasure of presenting an episode where I'm talking with Matt Patrick. Matt is the owner of Patrick Accounting and Works, which is a company that does payroll and HR and insurance. This is part of our series where we talk to owners of firms that are part of PASBA about how they built their firm, how they got to this point, how it's grown and changed over time. Matt has a reputation in the PASBA organization as being one of the kind of tech forward and the guy that's willing to try new and different things. His firm, I believe, has has been awarded the the top small firm, mid-sized firm, and large firm of the year as they've been a part of PASBA. This is a great conversation. If you are a firm owner, Matt is one of those folks that you want to be paying attention to in the space. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Matt Patrick, longtime PASBA member. Longtime was our um, first time caller. <laughs> How many years have you been in PASBA? I joined PASBA in May of... 2007. 2007, okay. So 16-ish years now. Yeah. I was like 32 years old with a bunch of old dudes. That's all that was in it. And you, were, you were the young guy, now you're the old guy. Hey, wait <laughs> now, yeah, that's probably true. I'm old, but I'm not the oldest guy. But no, it was like, yeah, I was 32, I was a three-headed monkey. When I walked in the room, I was like, oh my gosh, they think I am nuts. And so it was fun. My first conference, I always say the story, it was in uh, Tucson, Arizona. I desperately could not afford the $3,000 to go to the conference. I desperately could not afford the manuals, which was going to cost me another whatever it was. I was working around the clock. I had a, let's see, 2007. I would have had a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a newborn at home. And I'm like, hey, honey, I know we're broke. I'm going to Tucson <laughs> without the kids. And you didn't tell her how much you enjoyed getting out of the house? And, oh, yeah, it was the, the best kids. part. No. So I kept strep throat, like, I think, on the flight to Tucson. <laughs> and the first thing at that time we did was a golf tournament. Like, the lead off the day was me and Cleve Gassaway and Jerry Suckowitz and Carl uh, Corneliuson playing golf. I didn't know any of them at the time. Mm-hmm. I am so miserably sick. It's like 130 degrees. <laughs> And I got through nine holes. I'm like, I'm either going to die or just go back to my room. So I'm, I've had <laughs> enough golf for the day. But, yeah, so way different times. It was, you know, my life changed. I was, you know, I think Ray Bush a 1,000%. He kept – I was on a forum on what was Arnie at the time, which was Thompson Reuters software. And he said, hey, you should look at this thing called NASBA. It was NASBA at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's that? And he said, well, here's the link to the website. And all it had was a link to a website, then it had a link to a table of contents for the books. <laughs> that was basically the whole website. Yeah. And they're like, we have an event, and it's going to cost you. I'm like, well, I want to do how to do all these things. So if I want to I buy the books, if I buy the books, I can get, you know, anyway. So, yeah, it was uh, life-changing for sure. Well, let's, let's go back. Tell me about how you started your practice, why you decided to, yeah. to start, how – you started from scratch or did you buy someone else? Client zero, employee zero out of my house. So I worked first for Arthur Anderson. I was with Anderson up until Enron happened. There was a little sabbatical in the middle of that where I went to PwC for a year and back to Anderson. But I had been at Anderson for give or take seven years when that happened. Enron happens. I move to Memphis from Boston to Memphis. My wife's from Memphis and went to work for Deloitte & Touche. Different experience at Anderson post-merge, post-acquisition of the Memphis office of Anderson by Deloitte. A lot of fallout from that. I probably wasn't a great employee. 
You're unemployable, probably. I maybe. I was not a probably <laughs> Definitely great, at this point. Yeah, I was not a great employee. <laughs> I had a young I had a newborn baby. The demand of time versus what I was willing to do versus what the expectations were were all large gaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and so they let me go in October of two thousand and three. Is that right? Yeah, October two thousand three. My daughter now is is she's nine months old. And they gave me a six-month severance package. And I went, oh, shit, I'm about to be unemployed with a nine-month-old. This is not great. So I started looking around and trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, in life. And I, I, my wife said, hey, I have a coworker that needs a tax return done. And then I went to renew my CPA certificate at a packed mail franchise right by my house just to turn, you know, mail it in. The guy's like, hey, you're an accountant? You know, I'm like, yeah. He's like... I just moved here. I need an accountant. You know, I'm like, well, what do you need done? I'm just like, just ask, curiously asking. He's like, yeah, my other guy was doing some bookkeeping for me, and he did my tax return. I'm like, how much would you pay him? He's like, oh, it was like 500 bucks a month. I could totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> when you're and, unemployed, 500 yeah, bucks a hey, month. Hey, man, anything good. for a buck. Yeah. And then he said, hey, the next the guy just moved to the next door, just bought that Allstate franchise. He needs the same thing, and he knew who, we were just talking about it. So I talked to him. So I talked to him, and then that turned into he invited me to a B&I, and within like a month, I had 30 new clients. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was selling. I had bought a computer now at this point, a printer, and tax software. And that's all I had. And I was up and running. And you were just, you were doing whatever they needed. Anything for a buck. Anything you could. I I really quickly found, I I was a tax person by trade. So tax was where I started. Mm -hmm. And then all of them used QuickBooks. All of Mm -hmm. them needed kind of the the basics done. But, you know, I also found that I'm really I love the tech side of accounting technology. I didn't know that really until I got into this. And so I quickly got into QuickBooks consulting or helping them implement an inventory system or integrate their point of sale into their books or whatever. And I just kind of, I enjoyed that. Can't make any money at it, but I totally enjoyed it. And then, so my, my favorite story, I was like, I, you know, I did a hundred grand in revenue my first year and I made 60 grand. And then I did 200 grand in revenue my second year and made 60 grand. And I did 300 <laughs> grand my third year and made 60 grand. I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm, doing this right and I was working around the clock yeah and at that point is when I found PASBA okay so yeah but client zero so how many years into your practice what I had been I'd been in the practice about three years okay when I joined PASBA I wish I, would, I didn't even know about it if I did I would have joined it day one maybe I probably wouldn't have recognized it at the time but once it became apparent that like hey this organization kind of has it figured out about hey they're not they're not trying to recreate the wheel also the big one for me was as an accounting firm, as an accountant, I don't have to be the accountant. I can be a business owner that owns an accounting firm, which is mind-shifting for me. Yeah. I never really thought. I just thought I'd be the accountant. It's a superstar model. I'll, all the work will come through me. I'll be the rainmaker. I'll go do the tax work. I'll be the. Our goal is to find really complex, hard tax work that we can bill a lot of money for. And that's not really what we're doing. We're, that, that was not the driver of what, what this is. This is all about how do I help business owners yeah. be successful. And I just, I love that story a lot more. How many employees did you have when you joined PASPA? Four. Four. Okay. Five, something like that. We uh, have a couple of them still. Just had one retire. But yeah, I mean, we, we were, I mean, I think it was four or five at max. We were, I had a lot of helpers is what I had at the time. I, I was the, the person who was the professional I say and I had a bunch of helpers helping me I had a couple admin I had a couple bookkeepers that did some tax preparing I was still using some friends that worked in other firms to moonlight for me and do some tax return turn tax season but I was getting it done but it was I mean I 
I remember sleeping in the office for three straight days around those times. <laughs> and my wife would bring me, change the clothes, and make sure I had my toothbrush. And, yeah. hey, I could sleep on the chair for an hour or two. Those were miserable years. That was the year I was like, this has got to change or I'm going to die. I'm like 32 years old again. I don't think I'm going to be 35. So, <laughs> so all right. So this is the, uh, the, the marketing for accounting firms yep. podcast. Sales and marketing, very fuzzy line, kind of the same yep. thing. We're just trying to bring in business. As your firm has evolved over time, what has changed in how you found new business and brought in clients? I'm interested both in the, like the lead flow, but also how you decided who was a good client and not and okay. how that changed things. Yeah. So in the very beginning, obviously, word of mouth, I was the salesperson. I was the marketing department. I was networking, going to events, getting active in clubs. It's a traditional you know, mm-hmm. start. I mean, I joined the Rotary. I joined BNI. I joined you know, a couple of business networking groups in town. I would go speak as a you know, I'd give them at Rotary. I would do the annual tax update on what's going on. Right. I don't remember any business coming from that, by the way, but I did spend a lot of You were of, networking. You I were was, being a Yeah, I was involved in every chamber event. That was, I was the face of the business. Mm-hmm. After I joined PASBA in 07, the next year we happened to have a speaker from a firm here that's been around forever that has a sales department. I went, wait, you could have a sales department in accounting? I didn't. Mm. That's not possible. I'm the partner. I've got to be the person who rain, brings the revenue in. And that was really eye-opening for me. Like, wait, well, that's, that's possible? And then like, wait, how do they get them to, they're not an accountant, how do they sell accounting services? To, how do they explain what we got to do to them? And so that was very, you know, changing for me. In the very beginning, I mean, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it was, I mean, I remember the first thing I did, I had some postcards made up and we sent out, I got a mailer list and we sent them all out. And I had, you know, we sent out 5,000 cards and I got, 15 clients out of it and mm-hmm. I say clients and then I did 15 tax returns for about $87 uh-huh. but it was great <laughs> but yeah that's how I got started and then you know the, the networking thing for me was word of mouth and that was just a way for me to get to know everybody I had to figure out what we want or didn't want and the first thing there was how do I generate leads to go have t- to run appointments so we outsourced some of our lead generation to a firm that we found through PASBA called Lead Generators Judy Johnson, she's now passed, but it was an interesting, I mean, they just basically did calling for us mm-hmm. and, our, and we would run those sales appointment. I ran sales for, I did sales for four or five months after that first conference. I went, hey, I think this is possible. I, I basically created this manual that said, here's all the stuff you need to have for an install meeting or for a discovery meeting. And, and here's, it was very paper-based and yeah. this is, you know, 2009 or whatever. You're documenting all of the things. Yeah. And basically so creating a model and then go, okay, how do I price this stuff? And let's have a consistency of pricing. And I'd steal that stuff from other passive members or at mm-hmm. the time and just kind of figure out and create our thing. Well, at the end of that summer, I, you know, we had a, I have a friend of a, a friend, a good friend of mine. He had, was in uh, transition of, of, of his job, trying to figure out what he wanted to do. He was in his early 50s, and he was like, you know, I, I want to find a job I could stay until I retire, but I don't know what that is. And I said, mm-hmm. he had an MBA. He had done marketing for big businesses, what he'd always done. He worked at Kimberly Clark. He worked at Mattel Toys. He worked mm-hmm. at St. Jude, and that's what he was doing when he left. It was uh, He ran events for St. Jude on their tennis tournaments. I'm like, man, this guy has, like, way too much uh, ex- expertise and experience to want to work for my five-person accounting firm. Right. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you'd like doing this, but in the meantime, as you're just like trying to figure it out, why don't you try for like 90 days? And we'll do this together. And if you don't like it, you can tell me to just stick it. I'll go do something else. But I think you might really, really like this. Mm. And so I hired him in August of 2008, mm-hmm. and he just retired in yeah. October of 22. 
He helped me build my practice. He went and found 35 to 50 new businesses every year mm-hmm. for 15 years or so. He was he was an outbound guy. He was out there. It was all people. relationship, though. Yep. I mean, he wasn't. It wasn't like a sit in the desk, call all day. He was he was kind of doing what I was doing in the beginning, which was just I'm going to be active in everything. Yeah. I'm gonna get, he already knew everybody in Memphis, so that helped a lot, and he could talk to anybody. And he had no fear of like he walks in a restaurant, you know, like. The owner's in the back. Great. I'll just walk. I mean, he just walk right through the door like he's he owns the place. Yeah. And I could never do that. But, man, he was all he did it with like it was genuine. It wasn't pushy. He didn't like it was just I was very blessed to find him and connect those two dots from there. Just trying to get our story right. I mean, I didn't have a brand in the very beginning. I had my Shamrock logo like I still do today, but yeah. I had a crappy website and non-consistent we had inconsistent stuff everywhere and just wasn't super professional we joined rootworks in probably 2009 or 10 got a standard kind of brand at that point we immediately kind of got off of wanted to look like all the other 400 account rootworks sites but at the same time the logic of it made sense to me hey i want this to look consistent it could be our brand we're going to be very consistent about brand and we've done a good job about that since then We've always been an outbound focus sales sales led, right? Yeah, sales led. Today, even, I really think of marketing as our sales enablement. How do we, you know, make our buying process easier with marketing? How do we do a good job of educating our buyer along the path of what it looks like to buy from us, what the transition look like? And then just really trying to repeat that same story over and over again, the story brand model, which is, you know, we are, our client is Rocky and we're Mick and and we want to help them be the champion they want to be. If we can just repeat that over and over again, and that's the story we tell, it's really galvanizing both for our clients, but even more importantly for our employees, they, they, it aligns what they're doing with a purpose, which then aligns to, you can see it in the work that we do and how they serve our customers. And then that hopefully just keeps repeating itself. So and you, but so you've invested in people though. Yeah, never had this expectation that we're just going to sit back and and hope that leads come in. You've been you've been proactive about yeah when it when it was you and then you hired a salesperson and you've built a sales team now and and so the marketing piece of it has really, it, it, I mean it's just it's it's lead flow but it's outbound primarily and that's been that's been good. Now you're focused mostly in the Memphis market. I know not everybody. Yeah, probably there, but... in accounting, 70% of our business is in Memphis or Memphis surrounding area. We have about 30% of our stuff outside. We have some franchises we're with and some mm-hmm. clients that have referred us to somebody somewhere else or whatever. But for the most part, on accounting side, we're probably more 70-30. Payroll's probably more 50-50 just because of the work we've done outside of Memphis to grow that. But yeah. What do you when you when you think back about just like catalysts of growth along the pathway. Are there are there specific moments or decisions that come to mind as the, this was really important, a really important decision or hire or yeah anything like that? Yeah, I mean the first one for me was the the undying commitment to never not having a sales model that I'm running. This mm-hmm. is a sales volume model. We're running a recurring business model. It's a subscription yeah. service. We have to, it's sales focused. So you never stopped selling, even when things were hard nope. internally, the nope. processes to figure nope. it out, all nope. that. We will figure it out. Also, there's a lot of levers to pull when it comes to managing capacity. You can change, all right, every time I bring in a new client, i got to get rid of my worst client. Or I can change, all right, I'm going to, 
we're going to be really selective. We're only going to do this type of work, so which means we're going to start tightening up our client list or we're going to raise some fees or we're going to really go through and be really picky with what we when we want them to onboard. We can there's all kinds of leverage you can pull, but I, the sales yeah. engine cannot turn off. At the size we are today, you know, the the replacement just to keep our current level of clients. Yeah. Not because we do a bad job, but clients right. go, we're small businesses. They go out of business, they get bought, sold, you know, at some point they don't make it. Sometimes they outgrow us. There's all kinds of reasons why a client will leave. You know, we're going to lose 10 to 12% of our clients a year. If we have 300 clients, that's 36 clients. If we just... Just to stay even, level, right? Like level. And you're like, that's not a great idea to turn that engine off. You know, our referrals generally will make up most of that, you know, from just client referrals and, you know, clients that expand and all that stuff. But that's not enough to get us to where we really want to go. Yeah. So sales is my first focus. I was very lucky in the very beginning. I mean, in this world, you'll hear a lot of the Pazzo guys say, it took me nine salespeople to get to the first one that I liked. I, I hired one, and he stayed there for 15 years. That's not common. Yeah. And then, you know, the next thing for me was understanding our brand and how consistent and the story behind it. The story brand work that we did with you was really important for us solidifying our vision because it was it was a... It was a foundational set to actually set the actual vision where we're trying to go. It's like, we are here to help business owners succeed. How do they get to be a champion? That's, that's the, that they came very clarifying in our, this is our vision we have for the firm. And that's, it just made things a lot easier for us to educate our staff on. And even like, it's the filter that we put everything through. If this isn't helping some of us succeed, this is probably not the right answer. Yeah. So you, you've grown from, you know, you said yeah. four to five at when you joined PASPA, how, yep. how many? We're right at 40 employees today. 40 employees. You know, I said, we well, you know we did that $300,000 right before with $300,000 we made 60 grand. Yep. You know, we've done a pretty good job of basically adding, you know, $300,000 to $500,000 a year in growth. And now it's exponentially, you know, this year we'll, we'll grow by a little more than a million bucks, but that's not, you yeah. know. That's, you get there eventually. It's a snowball. <laughs> it's definitely a snowball. How has your role changed in the firm over <laughs> like time? Like a million different times? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, well, like I said, I was the chief accountant in the very beginning and chief wrench thrower, like I still am. I always say I'm, I'm, say I'm the chief wrench thrower because my job was just to break stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, I wore all the hats in the beginning. So it could be I was the tax repair, tax reviewer. If there was a payroll issue, I would jump in there. If it was a tax meeting or client was buying or selling something or needed new software or whatever it was, I was the person. I don't think I did any tax returns for clients this year for the yeah. first time. I've done last couple of years. I haven't done it either. And so you're like, that's a big change for someone who, you know, I have a, you I have a, a math, tax guy. I have a master's in tax. Right. So I, I would imagine I need to do that, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, it's, it, my role is way different now. My job is really leading people. My overall role is supporting my team. I have one client. It is the firm. My job is to treat that as my most important client. That's my strategic advisory client. That is my faux client. That is my people. I'm the, you know, I, I manage people and my job is to develop people. That's yeah. that my primary goal. You know, I'm very fortunate to have some wonderful teammates around me. My leaders are really good. They've all started, you know, pretty much ground floor with us. We haven't not hired any outside leaders really. And to grow and develop them and see them succeed and what they do now to lead other people in our firm is super, I'm super proud of that. And it's probably the thing that just, I mean, it really changed my whole 
practice. I mean, it changed my life for sure. I know I have people I can 100% trust through the work. Yeah. And they're going to lead our people with the same vision of what we're going to try to accomplish. And I know they do it with a genuine heart for our success. And I, I am so blessed. Yeah. What, uh, what's next? What's the future look like for your, for your firm? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, our, our goal is to help small businesses succeed. We've rolled out, you know, doing employee benefits. We really made a big push over the last few years to really make it where we're trying to help them be better business owners, of which tied to that is the foundations of understanding their numbers, what they mean, how do they hire better, how do they have great people that they develop and lead and make their businesses better. And so we're doing a lot along with what we call like a one-to-many approach where we have our office hours with our experts in all the different areas. We have our, our workshops uh, every month on different topics on how to be a better business owner. It could be anywhere from how to hire more effectively to, you know, how to compensate a salesperson, or it could be on, you know, just basically like understanding your financial statements, whatever that may be. Yeah. And our goal there is we want to be a resource for them. You know, we may not be the expert, but we'll make sure we have the right expert in our office or if we need to bring an outside person in to have that conversation to help them be a better business owner. It's been fun. I, our podcast, the One Step Better podcast, is very similar to that, which is how do I be a better business owner? And I love doing that because it gives us a chance, honestly, to just kind of get our thoughts in a line with, between Mike and I mainly and kind of make sure we're clear on what we want. We actually do a lot of, I'd say, out loud thinking during that podcast, which yeah. is like, here's, here's our philosophy around this. Is this do we agree? And it's been it's been a lot of fun. We've done almost 150 episodes of it, so it's been great. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the the best the best reasons for owners to be involved in creating content for their firm is the act of doing it helps you clarify your own thinking and helps you be a better advisor to your clients and and understand even your own business and where you're going. You got to do the the work of of processing You've it. You created your own voice, right? That's the thing for us. I mean, we all of our leaders and, and our, our managers or key, key people are involved in our content creation. We want them to write. It does help them understand, you know, our goal. We do get it edited by a leader who's like, hey, that's not quite right. Let's mm-hmm. talk about why that's not right. Now you've basically created a teaching moment. Yeah. You basically created them have term papers. So they're all writing blogs. We're all involved in creating content. I want them actively with the mindset of I want to help business owners succeed, so therefore I need to know more about this topic that I'm teaching on, so I need to, I can write about it, I can talk about it, so when a, the next client calls, we can go, hey, this is the article we wrote about it, here's the video we did about it, and if you have any questions, I'm here to be a resource for you. That's super empowering for them as a, a teacher, yeah. you know, they have the resources, but also from a client standpoint, they know like, hey, this guy really knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Hey, you've also really leaned in. I I think there there's kind of two major paths for most firms. You can either be a take stuff off your plate firm. You know, we, we take care of the bookkeeping and the compliance yep. and all that. Or we're the, we make you more profitable. We help you yep. build your business. And you've really leaned into the, we want to be the help you build your business type firm. It's not just about getting the tasks done. It's about helping in the, in that larger sense. Yeah. The foundation of the work we do is I've got to get your stuff done. Yeah. That's a non-negotiable in our world. Like you have to have a regular set of financials. We're going to make sure all your filings are done on time. You're going to know that you're comfortable, that everything's being done appropriately. That should be a basic level that our expectation is yep. that is a foundation. Kind of the can, table I can't help you be successful if you're not getting this stuff done and you don't have good information to make decisions from. I, I, that's just not doesn't make any sense to me. 
So that's our foundation. But step two of that is, okay, yeah, now that that's done, where do you want your business to be? When everybody opened their business in the very beginning, they had a mindset of, I want to run a successful business. And I would love a place that people love to come to work every day. And I want to make some money. And I would love to see my people that work for me make a bunch of money too. And I want to, you know, my customer, I want to help see them succeed, whatever that may be that they're in, you know, and I love that story. My, you know, my parents owned a small business and that's kind of always, I go back to them like, man, if their accountant would have done a better job, yeah, they would have had, a, like their business was super successful and it could have, oh my gosh, it could have been even so much better. Just a little bit of guidance and, yeah. and help and support. They just didn't know what they didn't know. And so, yeah, that's the part I love the most. I want to help that business owner uh, succeed. Yeah. Sounds like what what you have done in your business and your firm like that you want to multiply that and turn that into what how you serve your clients and yeah. but not not just through your team yeah my able team to, yeah, to do sure. impact more and and help businesses and and all that well this is this is a great conversation i know you you talk to a lot of younger newer firm owners and folks who are newer yep. to pasvo is there a piece of advice you'd give them thinking back on your experience i always start with Use the concept of PASBA as your, your box. What am I doing? Don't, don't look at how dated the content is or whatever. Use the wisdom in the room, but then create an action plan. Don't be afraid to break some stuff and go make, take action on it. You know, and just try to, like, you're not going to change your firm overnight. It's, an, it's a thing that's going to take your whole lifetime to get to, to where you finally get it to. One step at a time, but at that same time, it's take an action, decide take an action, decide, then like just keep progressing one step at a time. Cause man, day by day, one step at a time, it gets a lot better. Yeah. Well, great. Matt, thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll talk soon. Can't wait. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate everything, everything you do for us. Very good. Leave it there. This podcast, Marketing for Accounting Firms, is brought to you by Benchmark Growth Marketing, a marketing agency that helps accounting firms get more calls booked through their website. You can find us at benchmarkgrowthmarketing.com. Connect with me, Matt Banker, on LinkedIn.